Hey mama, I want to invite you to something. I am hosting a free anger management bootcamp on the podcast, May 13th through the 17th. Monday through Friday, there will be a new episode released teaching you where anger comes from and what goes on in your brain when you feel intense feelings, how to lower your stress and increase capacity levels as a mom, how to shift your mindset to align your actions with the mom that you want to be, and how to break generational anger patterns. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a day and sign up using the link in the show notes so you can get access to the episodes as soon as they drop and an email summary of the daily trainings, as well as access to a live Q&A call on the last day of the bootcamp. Invite one or three of your mama friends so they can learn how to manage their emotions well too. Link to sign up is in the show notes. I can't wait to see you in there. Let's get back into this podcast episode. Hey mama, welcome to Emotionally Healthy Legacy Podcast. It's almost Christmas time and I'm excited to have this episode come out to you. Have you ever asked yourself or wondered, maybe, do I have ADHD? Is that something I might possibly have? Maybe you've heard this term go around, ADHD. Maybe you think you might have some of those tendencies and that's why I'm so excited that I have a guest on my show this week. Her name is Cheska. We'll be talking about some of the signs and symptoms that you might have ADHD and how that shows up in motherhood in regardless to stress and burnout and overwhelm and triggers and especially anger and emotional regulation. And I think you might find it really interesting. Also, ADHD and faith and Christian faith, because oftentimes in Christian circles, conditions like this are just disregarded and when I grew up it was just like well you just need to spank it out of your kid and punish your child more and so we talk a little bit more about that also how to manage some of your impulse control if you do have ADHD and (laughs) just some fun uh, facts about like how to know if you might have ADHD what are some signs and we run, run through that at the end of the episode. And it's funny because I have a lot of those tendencies. I don't have a diagnosis. And I don't plan on getting one. I've learned to just kind of live with this. But I think it was just really, really fun to be able to run through things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. I relate to this. I relate to this. I relate to this. And it was just funny. And I think you're going to find this episode really lighthearted and fun. And you'll get some nuggets, helpful things out of it. And I would also encourage you to check out Cheska's podcast called Do I Have ADHD? And I will have it linked in the show notes. All right, let's get into the episode. And so I have Cheska with me on this podcast, and we will be talking about ADHD in motherhood and how that affects us as moms and how we can support ourselves to feel better and not feel like we are just the weird ones, <laughs> the crazy <laughs> ones. And so, yes, yes, we were just talking a little bit beforehand and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I might have ADHD just because of listening to all the things, even Cheska's podcast. So Cheska, welcome. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited too. Before we like jump in, I'm just going to ask you a question. What is something you've been loving lately? It could be something random or something. 
Honestly, I've been super obsessed with Soul CBD's drops and making mocktails. Like I'll put in some of the drops and shake it up with juice and then top it off with like Spendrift or like another sparkling water. And they're like so delicious. That's really been like my favorite thing lately. You are here to talk about ADHD and motherhoods. I would love for you to share a little bit about your story. So you're a mom and Mm -hmm. you have a toddler, but tell us a little bit about your background and how did you find out you have ADHD and what were some of the signs and symptoms? All right. So (laughs) I'm still working on narrowing down this story. So if I take you in a few different directions, I apologize in advance. I feel like most of the people listening are probably similar if, you know, if they're here on your show and you feel similar to the way my brain works, like they're probably all vibing anyway. But so anyway, I actually did not know I had ADHD until like the end of college. And I think a huge reason was because I grew up in a private school where we worked at our own pace and we had like our own individual desks that had dividers and stuff. And like when you needed something. I went to two different schools, but the first one I went to when I was really young, like if you needed something, you had like a certain flag, you would like move to the back of your divider to show that like you needed help or you needed to get up and grade something. So it was like super quiet, super chill all the time. I was allowed to bring my CD player and like listen to my own music while I did my own work. So like it totally worked for my brain. So I never had any idea. Looking back now as an adult, (laughs) I should have... I should have figured it out sooner than I did, but, um, I went to public school for one semester during third grade. And the only times I ever got in trouble were totally because of like impulsive things. I was like playing with something in my desk, essentially using a fidget and got in trouble for that. And then like a kid cut me in line. And so, and he like pushed me when he did it. So I turned around and slapped him and I got in trouble for that. And so, years go on and I end up back in public school for 10th grade through 12th grade. And I struggled really hard in the beginning um, with some of my classes because I had gaps in my education from public school to what the public, from private school to the public school expectations. But I'm the oldest daughter and I had a lot of perfectionistic tendencies. So like I figured it out and like I powered through, got A's and B's, went to college, was the first in my family. And I don't know how long to like go straight to college and graduate, but I floundered there quite a bit. Almost changed my major a couple of times because I was going to school to be a teacher. I would look around the room and like all these other teachers you know, soon to be teachers had like their binders and like their color-coded pens and their highlights, their certain highlighters for different things. And I had one notebook with all of my papers shoved into it. I was constantly losing things. I was constantly late to class or just missing class in general. And I was just looking around and I'm like, how am I going to work with these people the rest of my life? Like, I don't belong here. And that sent me into a whole thing of like, do I even want to do this? And then I went back into the education route. And then the day that everything kind of started to change, I ended up having a panic attack in the middle of one of like the big buildings. And I just bolted like (laughs) flight took over fully. I left the building, got out to my car. I left. And as I'm driving away, I'm like, crap, my teacher is not going to excuse this. And I was like far enough along that attendance was a really big deal at that point. And so I was like, I got to figure something out. So I went to counseling services because I already had an anxiety and a depression diagnosis. So I was like, maybe they can help me get some sort of accommodation and like help excuse this. So I just went seeking some sort of excusal for my behaviors. And about two sessions in, she's like, has anyone ever 
talk to you about whether or not you might have ADHD? And I was like, oh no. And I was a special ed major. So I was learning more about it at the time and ended up diagnosed at like 2021 20, starting medication. And I was like, oh my God, this is what normal people's brains feel like weird. And then I went into teaching, did the whole thing for a while. Then I went off of medication for a while. And that's kind of where everything I shared really started to form. Um, I got pregnant and then I was breastfeeding and then I was just stubborn and didn't want to go back on medication. So I ended up finding all these strategies and randomly started sharing them. And then they were connecting with people. And now here we are. What a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. I I mean, it's a little like long. <laughs> it is long, but I feel like it's important. It's important. And there's aspects of that that other women can relate to. And how would you say that motherhood has brought out maybe not necessarily more symptoms, but you've noticed that you definitely have ADHD once you became a mom? So I think for a lot of moms, it doesn't show up until they become a mom because either A, they start seeing symptoms in their child. And so then they start down this path trying to figure out how to help their child and they end up learning about themselves in turn. Yeah. Cause they're like, Oh wait, I do that. I do that. And like the genetic connection is so high. So I think that's a huge piece of it. I think the other piece of it is that just living life in our current society where like you're supposed to work this many hours a week. And then, you know, you have other commitments, like you have church and you have friends and you have family and you're doing all of these things. I think that like the, the scale ends up tipped too far once we have kids to where all of those things that we were doing before to compensate are not, they're not working anymore because we just don't have enough bandwidth left, you know? Mm, yes. And I think that's where it kind of relates to with like feeling burned out and stressed out mm-hmm. and easily overwhelmed and triggered and all the yeah. things. And yes. I wanted to ha- touch, have you touch on like, since you are also a Christian, how does faith play into ADHD? Because that conservative background I grew up in, there was a lot of kind of beliefs and that that's just not a thing, you know, Uh ADHD is like made up, especially when I was growing up as a kid and I grew up in a Slavic conservative background. This was definitely not a thing. You just spank it out of your kid. If your kid is squirmy and not obeying, yes, not (laughs) obeying or fidgety. And for me, this, how I started learning more about this is because I started to notice that one of my sons was a little bit different from my other two kids. And he was very fidgety. He had a lot more emotional outbursts than the other kiddos. He had a really hard time concentrating with homework. When he came from school, he just was a little bit different than my other boy. He needed more sleep time. He needed more time to decompress. And I started to learn ways. How can I support my son? Who's struggling. And then I started to learn more about women with ADHD. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I feel like I relate to 90% of this. So I wanted to have you touch on like faith and Christianity and you yeah. know, this diagnosis. Did you feel you had a hard time accepting it? Was so, that part of your journey? 
half of why my podcast name is do I have ADHD is because I have spent the last almost 10 years of my life being like, do I really have ADHD or is it just that? Do I really have ADHD or is it that? Even though I was literally officially diagnosed and I was given ADHD medications that also helped me, my brain is still like, but maybe it's just that maybe if you just change this and I'm like, just stop a second. So like, my relationship with God is a huge piece. I'm going to get into that. But for the accepting the diagnosis, I have come to terms with the fact that I will not know 100% unless I go get a brain scan done, which is not my budget at this moment. But knowing that they have scanned hundreds of thousands of brains and the people diagnosed with ADHD, literally the way that their brains light up during different tasks is different than someone who does not have ADHD. And so me having that in the back of my head is like, it helps me remember that this is valid and these symptoms are all valid and that it's not me just making it up or being lazy or being undisciplined or whatever. And sometimes that's the case because I'm a human, right? We all are. I'm going to have days when I'm lazy, I'm undisciplined, but in general, that piece has helped me accept it. And then going into the faith part of it, I feel like my relationship with God and me having that faith background is why I'm able to manage as much as I can, even with ADHD, because I'm keep going back to that firm foundation where I know that everything isn't on me. I'm not in control of everything. And I've been talking to God a lot. I mean, always, but especially over the last several months and talking about, you know, like the things I am sharing online and like where I'm going with this and like what he wants me to know about him. And I did this or about myself. We did this whole Bible study and it talked about, um, one of the things was like a listening prayer. And it, one of the questions was like, what do you want me to know about me? Like, how do you see me? And he gave me the word known. And it connected back to so many emails, DMs, all the coaching calls I've had at women being like, I listened to your podcast and I feel so seen. I feel so understood. I feel so heard. And I was like, I gave them a chance to feel known when I was in a place where I didn't. And I've had people in my regular life too, like my real life come up to me and be like, I don't know anyone else who has anxiety or I don't know anyone else who has ADHD. I haven't told anyone in my family because I don't even know how to talk to them about it, but I know you share about it and they come to me and they feel known. And so I think knowing who I am in Christ, focusing in on those fruits of the spirit, focusing in on scripture, all of those things make it easier for me to have radical self-acceptance and compassion toward myself and grace. Grace is the biggest one, I think because I'm going to mess up whether I have ADHD or not. And being able to accept where I've messed up, have grace for myself and keep growing and have like a growth mindset about it, I think is the biggest difference between someone who like, quote unquote, use their diagnosis as an excuse versus people who just like move forward. Like they don't have a diagnosis. If that mm. Yeah. Cause I, you're so right. There's a difference between sounds like, oh, I have ADHD and then they just act out in certain ways and they just write it off to ADHD versus like, yes, this is something I live with and I'm managing it and I'm working through it and I'm finding ways 
to support myself through it. Uh, Even like with myself, like I wouldn't be surprised if I have ADHD, but I have learned really good coping skills and things that I can support myself because even listening to your show and all the tips that you offer, I'm like, yes, I've done that. And I do this and it's super helpful. And, you know, this is a great tip. I'm going to try this now. So I wanted you to touch more on emotional regulation. Talk to me. Talk to me about emotions and someone who's experiencing ADHD or is living with ADHD. How is their brain functioning differently when it comes to emotions and feeling triggered and feeling overwhelmed and sensory overwhelm? All the things. Tell me. Yeah. So I think two of the biggest things to keep in mind for anyone with ADHD, if they're struggling with anger is we are more impulsive than other people. And we also easily get more overstimulated than other people. And I find that majority of the time when I'm starting to get angry or frustrated with someone, it's because I'm overstimulated and I need to figure out what I need in that moment. Like, do I need a quiet moment? Do I need to change my shirt? Do I need to just go to the bathroom and wash my hands and like take a breath and just stop and think? And along with that, the impulsivity, I've talked about this on my own show before, but we can't necessarily target just training impulsivity out of us. You know, like even I work in a community mental health position now, and like I've gotten plans from people who no longer work there. And it's like, they're going to learn three impulse control skills. Like, okay, cool. Like, what does that even mean? Whereas what I really think we need to do is after the impulsive thing has happened, you stop, you think about what just happened, why it happened, how you got there, what you need to do to resolve that situation go resolve it right then and there. Do you need to apologize to somebody? Do you need to go have a restorative conversation, whatever it is? And the more close that we can get that I did something impulsive and I fixed it, I became aware of it. And then I fixed it. The shorter, like the closer those get, the less impulsive I find myself becoming. Because if you fix the problem, as soon as you have the problem each time, your brain eventually starts to slow down before the problem even comes out. The other big thing that I think is super helpful with impulsivity is before you're going to say anything, like if you feel any kind of tension in your body in a situation, stop and count down from 10 in your head. I don't care how fast you do it, but just stopping at 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It gives you at least a second before you make that impulsive decision to like, am I going to make a different decision or am I just going to go with it and deal with the consequences? So those are some Mm. of my first thoughts. I like that. (laughs) Yes. It makes me think of like, when you talk about impulsive, I'm like in marriage, when you have like a tense conversation and you just spit out stuff and then you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know I should not have said that. I want to take that back. Like, oh my gosh. Like my husband, this is, a phrase that he said so many times to me. He's like, did you think before you said that? Like, what were you thinking when you said that? And I'm like, I was not thinking. It just came out like, Mm -hmm. and now I see that that was hurtful and that was wrong. And I want to take it back. Can I do a (laughs) do-over? Because like, I know that was not helpful. And so when you're talking about impulse, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really relate with that. And especially when it comes to like, I think part of the reason I teach what I teach, it's not because it comes easily to me. 
you know, I'm being in control of my anger and learning all these things. I struggle with it. That's why I teach it because it's my daily thing that I have to implement on a regular basis because I naturally get overstimulated quickly. I get overwhelmed super quickly. I naturally get stressed out quickly. So I have found ways to support myself for that not to take over my life. I get triggered easily with my kids. So I had to learn ways. How can I support myself so that I'm less triggered and less overwhelmed? You know, I like my natural tendency when I get frustrated and angry is to physically like want to like squeeze my kids or just like even hurt them physically. And like, sometimes that flies out of me and it's not because I want to, it just comes out. And especially my son who I believe his ADHD for him, it's so physical. Like it just flies out of him. And I'm like, what just happened? He's like, I couldn't stop myself. Like I I now see that it's wrong. He's like, I just couldn't stop myself, you know? And what I have found, I don't know if you have found this helpful with the women that you work. When I assess and what contributed to it next time, what can I do differently? Like Mm -hmm. having a plan how can I respond better next time? Not just like, oh, okay, this, I messed up. I apologize. But when this happens next time, because it will at some point, right? Like how can I handle it better? What is my plan? Next time I feel so frustrated and I start noticing my attitude, I'm going to communicate with my family. I feel really frustrated right now. I need to go take a break. I will be back in five minutes. And then I will go step outside and take some deep breaths or whatever it is, right? I have to come up with a plan. And I noticed that with my son too, like when we talk about it and, you know, we reflect and we make amends and we apologize, we're like, okay, Next time when this happens, what can you do differently? Because what happened was still hurtful and that was not okay. I see why it happened. I get it. I've done it too. And that was still not okay. So what can we do differently? Do you find that that is helpful with the women that you work with and the kids that you work with? Yeah, absolutely. And the more that you have those conversations outside of the moment of dysregulation, the easier it's going to be for you or the child to start implementing when they are dysregulated. We can't learn when we're dysregulated. So if your Mm -hmm. child is already upset or you're upset, like you have to stop and you have to give yourself the time to regulate again before you can have that like problem solving session with yourself. The other part of it too, that a lot of people get caught up in is they go straight to, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that and go into a shame cycle because of all of their past experiences. And then they have all of this proof of, see, I'm such a terrible person. I said this to my grandma five years ago. And I said this to my husband today, like I'm the worst. And they end up in this terrible place where they're full of shame and guilt. And that's not where we're supposed to be. Like, even if we want to take back to scripture again, like when Jesus did any kind of discipline, quote unquote, it was all teaching. That's literally what the Bible means by the word discipline. It's about teaching. So being able to stop and have that moment with yourself and teach yourself, what can I do next time? Like Jesus isn't sitting there condemning you and being like, you terrible person. You should have never said that. Like, why are we going to believe that lie and then stay stuck in that place when instead we could stop, we can fix it and we can make a game plan for the next time. And I think being able to stop the shame cycle. And that's the other thing too, is even once you become aware of those shame cycles, you're still going to get stuck in them sometimes. And you have to just, as soon as you notice it, be able to stop. And even if you can't stop yourself from doing it, 
just start talking about how you're aware of it in your head. Like, oh, wow, it seems like I'm pretty upset right now. I'm kind of being a jerk to myself. I'm, I might be in a shame cycle. What's going on here? And just start asking yourself more questions until you can kind of move out of it a little bit. That's great. That's great. That's such a great suggestion. Can you go through like a few, not a few, maybe 10, 15 things, some signs and symptoms for moms who might have ADHD? Because that was super helpful for me when I listened to your show. I'm like, oh yes, I relate with this. I relate (laughs) with this. I relate with this. So like, that's exactly me. Um, So like one of them you're talking about, we chatted about this, like running late all the time. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No no matter how much time you give yourself, you still end up somehow running late. And then. Yes. So I don't have a list in front of me, but like you would think with how many episodes I've done, I could probably riff 10 to 15 off the top of my head. So yes, you're right. Being late, like all the time, no matter how much time you give yourself is like telltale sign that something might be gone. I mean, and all of these things, like before we get into that part, like all of these things, everyone does sometimes, but it's the intensity and the frequency that Mm. is different when it comes to people with ADHD. Also short disclaimer that I cannot diagnose anyone with anything. I don't have those credentials. This is educational and entertainment. That's it. Okay. (laughs) So being (laughs) late all the time, like you already said, um, those impulsive decisions, but they can come up in other ways too, right? Like it's not always anger. Like maybe you are, maybe have a little bit of a shopping addiction. You do a lot of impulse purchasing or you'll randomly decide this goes into impulsivity, but it's also like another piece. Like when you move all the furniture around in your house, like on a super frequent basis, or like you just randomly decide that you're going to reorganize how you guys do everything, or you come up with this brand new system out of nowhere, and then it falls apart a week later. And then you come up with another brand new system and then it falls apart again, because you're not actually sticking any of them out. Um, what else? The rearranging furniture was a big one for me as a teenager that when I look back, I'm like, I should have known. I love doing that when I was a teenager in my home. <laughs> I just like the whole room, is like a brand new room. <laughs> just rearrange everything for another one for me is like talking to my husband on one topic and then just switching topics. And he's like, how, yeah. how did we get from this to this? Like, And then if you're talking to another person with ADHD, you can make the switch to a different topic and then come randomly back over to that other one when you have another thought about it. Then you move over here and over here and over here. That one is super common. Losing important things. Like how often do you lose your keys, your phone, um, important papers, missing appointment. Oh, hyper focuses. Like you've probably had 50 to a hundred hobbies within your life. You start a big project. Like you have this whole new personality for a while and then you learn how to do the things. So then you move on. A lot of people look at that one with some shame and guilt too. But I'm like, if you think about it at its core, when you learn a new skill, you're solving a problem and our brains love projects and they love solving problems. And so it makes sense that you would learn how to do the thing and then move on, especially because like most of us are really fast learners too. Yeah. I think of that. Like I don't do as like, you know, DIY, well, I've done DIY, but I've done it. I've been into like, okay, I'm into juicing and like learning all about juicing and then about into gut health and then like into parasite cleanses. <laughs> like, then I'm like into DIY lotions and like lip balms and stuff like that. And then yeah. I'm like, screw all that. I'm going to do sewing. And then I was like into sewing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what you're talking about right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's a huge one. I also find that like a lot of people with ADHD, um, 
do stimming of some sort, like you're twirling your hair or you're clenching your jaw or you're clenching your fist or you're tapping your foot or tapping a pen, like you have that extra energy and you're trying to get it out somewhere. And it also, it makes some part of your brain, I don't know all the scientific stuff behind it, but it makes some part of like your nervous system feel stabilized when you're doing that. Uh, So that's another big one that I see. You talked Um, about overstimulation too. Yes. Overstimulation is huge. Um, Forgetting to eat. (laughs) I feel like there's two types of ADHD. There's the ones that snack and eat all day. And there's the ones that like never eat. And then they're like, oh, it's 6 p.m. Maybe I should eat a meal. Like that could never be me. I'm the snacker all the time. I have like this giant backpack I take to work with extra water and all of my snacks and everything in it. But that's when I see a lot too. And then also I see a lot of like sensory things for ADHDers too, not to the same level that it is with people in the autistic community. Um, It's more like clothing or like TV volumes just being a little bit too loud or, you know, like the overstimulation of kids and like just all that to where like you can't focus in on things. Obviously focus issues is another one. Like it can be really hard for people with ADHD to get into the zone but then once they're there, they end up in hyper-focus mode and nothing can stop them even when they need to stop. Like that one episode I shared that you probably listened to about my ADHD anger and getting stuck doing a task that I couldn't actually yes. do and then being really yes. mad about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like for me, it's like I'm getting hyper-focused trying to get stuff done and my kids interrupt me or like, you know, it's been two hours and my daughter wakes <laughs> up and it's like time for her to wake up. I'm like, no, 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 no. Or like, I'm like, oh, I have enough time to go pick up the kids from school. Oh, I still have enough time. And then it's like school's out at 310 and I'm like, oh crap, I to go to the car this is yeah. 10 you know because I'm just like super hyper focused and what you know or sometimes it's so hard to get focused mm-hmm. but then when you do it's hard to get out of it yep yep task switching and transitions can be really hard and task initiation in general like that's why people lay on their phones scrolling forever instead of getting up to do the laundry because to initiate the task of doing the boring mundane thing is so hard for our brain when you're sitting there and you're getting all of that dopamine. That is why I avoid cooking and cleaning the kitchen <laughs> and laundry. Those okay, right. if you think my life is together, okay. <laughs> it's not. I promise you. There's like you know, as a I'm I'm the primary like housekeeper in the sense like you know you know do house tasks, but there are two things I still fall behind all the time. It is laundry, and it is you know cooking and cleaning. So it's usually like dinner time. It's like 5 PM. I'm like, okay, what am I going to make for dinner? Like I've tried so many times doing the meal planning. I I just can't, it just doesn't stick with me. It just doesn't. And I get all stressed out in the evening. What am I going to make for dinner? Now that my kids are older, they do the cleanup afterwards. So that Mm -hmm. makes it easier. But typically I'm like, okay, I'm going to wash dishes as I go. No, it never happens. My kitchen's always a freaking disaster at the end (laughs) when we're done. So laundry and my kitchen are a mess most of the time. So if if that makes anybody feel a little bit better. I'm lucky because my husband is the one who stays home with our daughter, our daughter all day. And he's wonderful at dishes and laundry. And so that is never an issue in our house, but I do all the cooking. Something that really helps me that might help you is I intentionally take a break from having meal planned meals like every few weeks because I need that time to reset or like I'll put my husband in charge of it. 
because I found that if I think that I have to do that boring thing every day for the rest of my life, I'm just like, screw it. I don't want anything to do with it. So I'll like intentionally meal plan for three or four weeks or whatever. And then I'll just take a week off and be like, we'll figure it out along the way. And then by the end of that week, I'm like, I'm ready for my structure to come back and I'll put it back into place. Um, And if you also like time it with your cycle, that can be super helpful too. So yeah. That's a great idea. I should try it out. Yeah. Cause with my, on my cycle, I, the week before my period, it's like, everything sucks. In life. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> everything just sucks. I have a few really hard days and it's like, yeah. everyone's annoying me and nothing can be done right. And nothing yep. sounds good. <laughs> life just miserable. <laughs> Something I've suggested to some of my clients is like when you're in those high energy parts of your period, like of your menstrual cycle, make a two week meal plan and then just implement it again those next two weeks so that you don't have to think about it. You already know how to do all the recipes because you did it the week before. And then also like if you don't want to eat any of it, at least you can feel accomplished that you got everyone else fed and then you can go sit in bed with a bowl of cereal or whatever you need that day. (laughs) Sounds good. What a great idea. And then I heard one more tip for like meal planning that I heard from someone else and I've done it a few times. I should go back and do it. And it's like cook for since you're already cooking, either do like a double batch that's going to, you know, you can use later or like cook two meals at the same time if it's not too much. So if that way, let's say you cook two meals on Monday evening, that way, Tuesday evening, you can just reheat it and you don't even have to like, you know, yep. cook a brand new meal. And I've done yep. that. And that actually, the times I did it worked out really well because then the next day I'm like, oh, like I just need to make a salad or something. The meal is made and it's just pretty easy. So Yep. That is like just a daily practice, a weekly practice in our house at this point. Like I'll make a meal and we'll make sure there's enough for like two more days of lunch or something. And yeah. Oh, I never, well, I shouldn't say never. I do things sometimes, but a lot of times I don't cook a meal only for one meal because who has time for that? That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for being here. This was so fun and what a great conversation. So Cheska, tell us where our listeners can find you because you have this amazing podcast that I really like. Thank you. So I have the podcast. We mentioned it earlier. It's called, do I have ADHD? My website is like the most basic website in the whole world. It, it literally just exists. So I have a spot on the internet and it's, do I have ADHD podcast.com. You can sign up for the email list there. We have all kinds of like fun free things that happen in there. Currently, one of our fun free things is like podcast playlists that are like curated for specific things. So we have a self-care one, a physical space one, a systems and routines one. And I have some other things in the works. Oh, I totally forgot. I have, it's new. This is why I forgot it existed. I actually made a little quiz. It's a little five question quiz um, that helps you identify where you need to start when it comes to managing your stuff better. So do you need to start with the self-care? Do you need to start with the physical space? Do you need to start with the systems and routines? And you can get everything on my Instagram. Like it's all linked there. My Instagram is at created by Cheska. And we will link all of that below in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here.
I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode. You can always go and check out Cheska's podcast called Do I Have ADHD? Also, if you enjoyed this episode, would you share it with a friend or a couple friends and just text it to them and say, hey, I listened to this fun episode. I think you might find it funny or you might enjoy it as well. And I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Friend, thank you so much for showing up week after week. I feel so honored and blessed that you are here. And I hope you find uh, this podcast helpful and you find some helpful nuggets that you implement in your day-to-day life. Until next time. Hi, friend. Did you learn something new or found value in this episode? If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with one Christian mama friend who has young kiddos and could benefit from this message? Word of mouth is the best way to spread the word and grow this podcast. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, would you please rate and review on Apple Podcasts so I know that this content is helpful and I can continue to create more episodes. This is really the only way for me to know that you are blessed by this podcast. I'll see you soon, my friend. God bless you.